Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. Let's face it, the future is now. We're living in a connected cyber society, and we need to stop ignoring it or pretending that it's not affecting us. Join us as we explore how humanity arrived at this current state of digital reality and what it means to live amongst so much technology and data. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Black Cloak provides concierge cybersecurity protection to corporate executives and high net worth individuals to protect against hacking, reputational loss, financial loss, and the impacts of a corporate data breach. Learn more at blackcloak.io. BugCrowd's award-winning platform combines actionable contextual intelligence with the skill and experience of the world's most elite hackers to help leading organizations identify and fix vulnerabilities, protect customers, and make the digitally connected world a safer place. Learn more at bugcrowd.com. Devo unlocks the full value of machine data for the world's most instrumented enterprises. The Devo Data Analytics Platform addresses the explosion in volume of machine data and the crushing demands of algorithms and automation. Learn more at devo.com. All right, here we are with the Finance Society podcast with me, Marco Ciappelli, and uh, the big, uh, let's call it network, we call it network label, is ITSP Magazine, where we have a lot of different conversation, a lot of different hosts, and I have retained my own niche, little, little space for Redefining Society, which is what I'm passionate about. And often we talk about technology and how it affects society from AI to advanced technology to uh, anyway, the, the way we do social media, the way that affects our life because we cannot ignore that. But there is other things that affect our life and our society. And I think we are lately really, really aware of it with the climate change, with changes that we have created and provoked in this environment that we are, you know, part of. And, uh, and I like the idea of thinking in a very synergic way where we're learning. You look at documentary, what happened in Africa is affecting us. What happened in Antarctica is affecting people in Italy or in South Africa. So today we're going to talk about uh, one health lessons and we're going to do that with uh, Deborah Thompson, which is here with us. If you're watching the video, she's right there waving at us. If you listen to the audio, well, here she is. Hi, Deborah. How are you? Hi, Marco. Thanks so much for the invitation to be here. Uh, it's, it was long due. I mean, first of all, we need to say that we are part of the Mentor Project. That's how we met. And so we're passionate about teaching. We're passionate about talking to the next generation and share our, you know, knowledge, whatever that is. So what moved you to become a mentor uh, and what moved you to create the organization, the nonprofit you've created? And most of all, who are you? So let's start there. Wow, um, wow, wow. A little bit about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Big questions, Marco. Thank you. For... Who am I? I know. I don't know. Who am I? It's one of the hardest <laughs> few questions. So tell me about yourself. <laughs> well, I was born on a Tuesday, right? Um, right? Tell me about yourself. 
so nice to meet you, everybody, uh, with ITSP uh, Magazine. And I am Deborah Thompson. I am a veterinarian by training. I have created something called One Health Lessons. We're a nonprofit that teaches children and adults around the world about One Health. And you might think, well, what on earth is One Health? <laughs> One Health can be described in two different ways, a concept and an approach. The concept is just that connection between our health and the health of the environment, animals, plants, you know, your surroundings, sick environment, sick people. It's all connected. And then we go one step further and also teach about the One Health approach, which is ultimately teamwork. It's teamwork between people of different backgrounds, discipline, strengths. We come together and we solve and prevent health problems. So that way the community stays safer. Um, but how did I get into One Health? <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's a big question. Um, I first learned about One Health the concept and the approach uh, back in 2008 when I was going to veterinary school. But who am I? I am an educator. I have been an educator since 2001, actually. And um, while my youngest student was five to six, my oldest student was around 65, I taught lots of different subjects, but I did not know about One Health when I was teaching full time. Um, in 2008, I was in veterinary school and I learned about the concept and I thought two things. Number one, my life finally makes sense. <laughs> and number two, why wasn't I teaching this all along, right? If I knew as a teacher and working in a, a middle school full time, if I was teaching my students about One Health, would that have made a difference in society or in the community, right? And then I was thinking, well, if I was a student, and I was six years old and I was learning about One Health and how, you know, you shouldn't litter because that impacts the wildlife nearby and wildlife can carry possible diseases. We can give diseases to wildlife. So just having that concept in mind as a six-year-old would have changed the trajectory of my life, right? Um, so so let, let, me, let me get, let me stop you because I, this is kind of like one of my uh, duh moment, meaning it makes so much sense. And I, I'm like you, I look back and I'm like, you know, I went, I went through school, through college, through everything. And even in a large part of my life, I'm always like, you know, okay, there's that, there's that, there's that. And now I'm just like, every dot is just connected. So why did it take us so long? Exactly. <laughs> to get there? Exactly, right? And when I was thinking about veterinary school, I was not necessarily thinking about a veterinarian working with a physician, working with an ecologist, working with a, a policymaker, right? Those links weren't there in my brain, but that's what the real life, real world needs to solve complicated problems and to prevent problems. So yeah, uh, just about three years ago, I created One Health Lessons and we've gone uh, viral, not not necessarily a pun, <laughs> pun there, but we've we've made a difference so far and I'm very proud of the team. That's great. And, and that's only three years ago. So I, I thought it was actually longer than that. But uh, so how, how is it going? 
That's 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 a good question. I, I mean, you said it's going viral, so you know, I see the double meaning there. I don't want to go there though, <laughs> but but I do want to know why do you think it's being received so well? I mean, again, it's again, it's common sense, but we don't we don't think about it. But the moment that you see it, you cannot unsee it anymore, right? <laughs> right. Exactly. It's so like what's looking at the first. Yeah. So what was the first uh, reaction when you go somewhere in a class with kids that that you presented for the first time? Do you get that Eureka moment? Like, yeah, makes sense. Yeah. I see the light bulbs going off all over the class, <laughs> for sure. Um, and the way I design lessons, I want the kids and adults, because these lessons are available for children as young as six years old and for adults as well. Uh, it's always age appropriate lessons. Um but I designed these lessons to get the students to laugh, to play, to have fun, to focus on the activity. And oh, by the way, we're learning at the same time. That's just how I've always developed my lesson plans. Um, but I guess the question that you had asked earlier is, um, you know, a, a eureka moment and how how this actually went viral or how this got around the world so quickly in a positive way. Um, well, this is where technology plays in, Marco. Welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to my world. Technology has changed my life and has changed thousands of people's lives for the better, especially in this case. So I've been teaching when I was used to live in California on my days off from the clinic, from the animal hospital, I used to go into classrooms and teach lessons about One Health that I developed after hours, you know, after my 10 to 12 hour work days in the clinic, I go home and I relax by creating lessons for kids and adults about One Health. That's just how I could exercise my brain in a non-clinical manner. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Mm -hmm. um, so then on my days off, I go into classrooms and I teach this material. I want to connect with... Um, uh, with an influencer, with somebody who I had a great respect for. Uh, she taught at Harvard and UCLA, and I heard through the grapevine that we had a mutual connection. So I reach out to my mutual connection, and I ask her if she could introduce me to this role model. And she said, sure. She knew what I was doing all along in California in that community, right? But she said, what's your website? I'll share it with her. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> That's you know, when I, you realize something was missing in the One Health yeah. approach. <laughs> yeah, you know how there's a to-do list, right? And yeah, there's yeah. something that always falls down to the bottom of the to-do list. You'll get to it later. Mm -hmm. That was building the website. Mm. Um, over a course of a few months, uh, OneHealthLessons.org was built. At that time, it was .com, but then we switched it over to .org. And... Within the first 30 days, the 11 different age-appropriate lessons um, that actually focused on COVID at that time had been already started to be translated into 10 languages. Wow. Within the first month, <laughs> right? And that was just word of mouth. So clearly, people saw the need to bring this into the communities, this knowledge into communities, and they wanted to take that extra action to translate these lessons so that it becomes accessible to members of their own community, wherever they are on this planet. So give me an example of one lesson, one topic 
that maybe you can think as symbolize or maybe the first lesson you did i don't know whatever it is very relevant for you the one that went more viral than others so what, what are these lesson about yeah so i could talk about um a portion of a lesson that we are revamping and we're going to be putting out uh later this month it's called discovering one health and we have a picture of a forest okay and we say uh, and there are little animals all floating around the picture, like, you know, foxes and rodents and, and birds and bats. And we ask the students, okay, pretend you're in a forest, right? Pretend the sun is shining, the water is clean, the air is clean. Everybody in this photo is happy and healthy, and you don't have to compete so much for food or shelter. And then I ask the students, tell me what changes in the next picture? switch to the next slide. The next slide is about two thirds of that forest is still there. Same number of animals, but two thirds of the forest is still there. That last third of the forest was replaced with humans. So we have the conversation. What happens to the animals in the situation? Well, if we have to compete for more uh, areas for, um, you know, sources of food for shelter, well, then that's stressful. Right. And then we talk about cortisol, the stress hormone. We talk about the immune system, how that can cortisol, the stress hormone can kind of weaken the immune system. And so you could show more signs of diseases. But by then, the students already know about something called a zoonotic disease, a disease that can jump between different species. So if an animal is coughing or sneezing and blowing the germs any which way, well, how does that play into human health, right? And so we have a conversation. And then the next slide, the forest gets smaller and we say, okay, pretend that say all the birds leave. The little birds, the little chickadees and all the hawks. Now let's look at the photo and see what could change. Talking about biodiversity. A lot of people don't realize that because the food web is in every ecosystem, if say the birds leave, well, then they're going to be more rodents, they're going to be more foxes, right? <laughs> and they're going to be less trees because the pollinators are gone, the seed dispersers are less, right? So it's these conversations and the kids are glued to the screen, because we ask them, what are the changes? What will happen? What do you think could happen? And then how can you fix that? And believe it or not, this works very well for kids of any age, as long as you present it in, a white, in the correct way. And we have a train the trainer program to teach people how to communicate uh, in a more efficient manner. Train the trainer is one of my favorite thing. My, my question is usually is who is educating the educator? So it's kind of the same thing, right? So how, how do we pass the knowledge and... And I, I talk about that a lot about technology because I feel like sometimes we have a gap where the parents are teaching the kids or the teachers should kid, teach the kids that have native on, on a phone that's on a smartphone, not a phone, it's a smartphone, but they don't even know about it. <laughs> they don't understand the algorithm. They don't understand, you know, how social media works and so on. So, you know, and that's very complicated, but it was also very complicated the way that nature works. But until you get the point that if these, then that, 
then then everything I think it becomes a little bit more understandable. And uh, I mean, I can see I can see in my head the the kids getting excited, like asking probably gazillion of questions and and then they go home and they probably ask and they say this is what i learned today they tell to the parents and probably parents are like oh yeah i had no idea so yeah. how people get involved in this i mean do, do usually like people that put part of the lesson decided i, I want to help you with this the schools and how does it yeah. go around yeah so it's it's honestly been a rather organic experience. Um, people from around the world know us on LinkedIn or our other social media accounts, and they come up and they said, you know, I want this to be in Hausa. For instance, Hausa is a language spoken in Nigeria. I want this to be accessible to my community in Hausa. I want to bring this to my community. Well, we're like, wonderful. Here's the material. If you can translate it, then we can post it on our website so that way more Hausa communities can learn from this. Um, and that's how the translators worked. Um, when it comes to bringing these lessons into classrooms, because we act as science guests, like science mm -hmm. role models, STEM role models, mm -hmm. um, what happens is that the teachers reach out and email lesson leaders program at Gmail. I can give you the link, but lesson leaders program at gmail.com and say, and just say, I'm interested. I have a group of 20 students between eight and nine years old. When can we do this? And that's how we arrange lessons um, in communities around the world. The other added benefit to that, honestly, is um, and this happened indirectly. I was not expecting it, but I'm thrilled it's happening. So for instance, somebody in Nigeria um, who's bilingual, who also speaks English, that person can teach virtually a classroom in California. And that serves to improve cultural awareness, cultural sensitivities, cultural exchanges, and it improves based on teacher survey feedback. Um, also appreciation for geography. Yes, and, needed. Yes, right. <laughs> and um, just an awareness of technological capabilities around the world. I like that. So you, you can do it. It's, it's a on location and in person and is, of course, the amplification of it now. These three years certainly have taught us how to accelerate all this evolution of our society into being a hybrid of virtual uh, in-person. And I think that's wonderful. I don't care how many, you know, the remote work, but also the getting connected one another. Like I give you an example, big conferences on cybersecurity, like the one in San Francisco in a couple of weeks, they, they've been going um, virtual, but then now they're back on location, they're still virtual because why not? Not everybody can fly, spend all their money, pay the hotel, one thing and another, and everybody should know about that topic. So I love this. And also another thing that I want to ask you is this, because when we look at the globe as a one one planet as it should like astronaut goes and have the overview effect and I'm like oh my god yeah no seriously <laughs> that's like it is but but i also am a big fan of retaining 
the the importance of the community and the individual culture where we can all work together yet be all different one another. And, and when you were telling me this, the, the, the thing about the Nigeria or the different geographic area, I'm guessing, and I want to know this from you, that people that are expert in, on, in their own environment, they can bring example of a kind of vegetation and animals and things that happen geographically as a climate in that environment, but also still see that there is a, a thread that connect all of this. You got and, it. Am I correct? Yes, you have it exactly. And when we teach in person, we encourage um, the train the trainers, so the trainers <laughs> in the end or trainees um, to ultimately teach these lessons in your local community, in your own first language, because it's received so much better if it's with somebody who you know, right? Somebody you can relate to, um, somebody who's lived in your community for all of their life, right? Um, plus they can tweak some of the messaging in order to apply it locally. That is so important. So there's that local component, but then also that cultural exchange that, that can happen because of technology. It's only possible because of technology. Yeah. So how does somebody become uh, involved in this? So you say somebody contact you, say, I want to do this in my schools. Okay. Who is the... Who is the ambassador or the, the teacher? And so what happened? Do you, do you train these people? Do they become part of how, how does yeah. it work? Okay. So we have a four-step training process for the train the trainer um, system. The first is a four-hour system. The first hour is to uh, attend an orientation session where the adult, usually it's an adult, who of course has to undergo certain um, you know, background checks and things like that. Um, so the adult of any background goes through an orientation session that reviews how to speak with a six-year-old versus a 16-year-old versus a 60-year-old. A lot of people come into this program thinking, oh, I know all about One Health or I know all about public health or global health or whatever they're coming from. Great, but can you communicate it? Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's the thing um then the second hour after the orientation is to um observe a recording of me teaching various ages and then they have to pass an exam and the exam not necessarily focuses on one health as a concept or an approach but it focuses on teaching techniques the third hour is to observe a live lesson virtually or in person and the fourth hour is to actually teach a lesson with students. At least four students need to be present in the class. So if you're a parent listening to this and say, hey, I have two kids uh, and they have a bunch of friends. They have a Girl Scout, Girl Scout troop, they have Brownie troop, whatever it is. And I want the troop to learn about One Health, then just email uh, lessonleadersprogram at gmail.com and say, I have a troop. Therefore, we have the trainers and the trainees going into these classrooms virtually or, or in person and teaching. From there, if um, a trainer wants to advance their, um, their position, they have to teach at least five times and we have documentation for that. And then they become an ambassador. Mm -hmm. If they're an ambassador, then they have to train others locally how to go through that whole system. 
Does that mm. make sense? I know it's a lot of steps. No, no, no. It ma it makes sense. It's it reminds me other you know other other level of advancement in many other organization. Like you know you can't do this without experience, <laughs> but. But Mike, one thing I want to know is this, does it require for people to be already, let's say, very knowledgeable in that topic? Like, does it need to be like, oh, I'm a biologist. So, yeah, sure, I can do this very easily. But if I am none of the specialization, no. So anybody can say, anybody. I can learn it and teach it. Exactly. If you feel like One Health is important to you and you care about it enough, we will teach you how to teach this. And the topic itself. Yeah. I remember in 2018, I was going into a classroom. Um, I think I was in Oakland, California. And I had three of my friends go in with me. One was a water uh, analyst. A second one sold insurance to companies. And the other one was a sound engineer. And we were all teaching about One Health to a group of, um, I think it was 30 some eight-year-olds and nine-year-olds. Mm, that's cool. I love it. Now, uh, let's go back to something I'm really passionate about as a, somebody that does podcast and you know branding and you know, always keep an audience in mind, uh, make it understandable because sometimes people are great expert, but they just can't teach. It's almost like if you are a great athlete, doesn't mean you're a great coach because sometimes they're like, I just do it. It's natural to me. And others may not be the best athlete, but they're fantastic teachers. So what does it change in the teaching technique in, you know, in a very uh, overview kind of way? <laughs> you don't need to give away all the technique, but give me some example of how would you would present a specific topic to six years old or 14 years old or 20 years old and so on. I mean, how much do you have to change your script, your delivery, your, how does that work? Right. I'll give you two examples. Um, for six-year-olds, for instance, if we talk about different species, the word species, okay, mm. because we have to talk about zoonotic diseases, diseases that can, or germs that can jump between different species. But what is a species? Um, the way we describe it to six-year-olds is we say, if two cats can make kittens, what can two dogs make? And everybody yells out, puppies! Okay, great. But can a cat and a dog make babies? And some of them are like, yeah. And some of them are like, no, 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 no. And then some of them have that like oval <laughs> nod <laughs> that they're like, I'm not really sure. And I say, even though it would be super cute, it's not possible because they're different species. Now, do we have to explain that to adults? No, we skip over that, right? You sure? <laughs> um, but when we talk about mutations, because it's a part of nature, right? Believe it or not, we talk about mutations with six-year-olds. Um, and the way we do that is we say mutation has change. If you just think about it simply, mutation has change. It can strengthen something, it can weaken something, or it could just change something and just make it, you know, odd, but not necessarily change the strength. You know, just, just different, and that's fine. So there are lots of different ways something can mutate. There are point mutations, there's genetic reassortment, 
but with point mutations, that's when some uh, a little blip happens in the DNA um, at a particular spot in the DNA. Either there's a missed um, component of the DNA or there's an addition to the DNA. Either way, the product, product changes. So how on earth do we get kids to understand point mutations? Well, we do tongue twisters. And tongue twisters work in any language and it even works in American Sign Language. It wouldn't be a tongue per se, but this is applicable anywhere on the planet. A tongue twister. We say this is a model for a point mutation and let's say this five times fast. And the kids compete reading the tongue twister and we say, how many mutations have you heard? Hmm. I like I've never heard that before. That's cool. It makes <laughs> yeah. sense. Like yeah. It. And um, honestly, it's very difficult to move on after that particular slide is covered because <laughs> every child wants to compete. <laughs> but that works even for adults just to prove the point. We say, you know, if you want to explain point mutations to your children or your grandchildren, this is a good way to do it. That's kind of cool. I like that. I like that. So give me an example of uh, a conversation around the environment. Because, you know, animals are cute and puppies and all of that. And, you know, medicals, it's starting to get complex. But everybody right now is talking about the environment. So what are the most popular <laughs> top 10 topic to teach about the environment nowadays? Yeah, well, good question. Um, certainly deforestation, you know, getting rid of habitats for animals and making uh, inhospitable uh, environments for people because of erosion, for instance. Um, that's certainly one. Plastics in the environment is another. And how does plastics play a role in one health? Well, certainly it contaminates waterways and lands, but microplastics as well. But then taking it one step further, can the food that's attached to the plastic attract wildlife, right? And then we have that whole conversation all over again. Um, and of course, the differences of temperatures that we have been seeing around the planet, believe it or not, um, there are different species on the planet that depending on where the egg is, say for instance, an alligator, the depth of the egg in the sand and the temperature of the sand will dictate the gender of that animal. So then we think if they're not going to be enough males or females, mm. well, what's going to happen to the population? What's going to happen to the food web? Right. And the whole conversation happens again. It's like a, one of those uh, game where you say a word and then you connect with another word that is connected to that. And then you find yourself talking about something completely different from the original word, but they're all connected. And I, I, I think about food most of the time because, you know, when you talk organic, but then you're like, OK, well, if the fish eat that plastic and you eat the fish, you eat the plastic. It's not that hard to understand if the plastic gets in the in the soil the plant get the nutrition from the soil you eat that plant it's not that complicated but here we are right uh, it's not that complicated but here we are having to 
teach all of this. Um, I love it. But before we do maybe a call to action to how to get involved and, and, uh, and to learn more and all of that, and by the way, I will put all the links to uh, the organization to get in touch with you. And so when people listen to this podcast, they can certainly read the notes or watch the video on YouTube and there will be notes there as well. But there is one part about, I want to stick with the, the teaching, the passion for teaching, because I was reading your bio and I see that before becoming, I, I said I don't like to read, but I will read this one. Before becoming a veterinarian, she taught music in a primary school, tutor in math to adults, and was full-time instructor of English language. So you were born a teacher. You are, you're a natural born teacher. <laughs> I, I, how, when did you discover this? I mean, let's talk about you. When did you discover this passion for, for doing this? Um. You know, I don't know if it was ever discovered. It was just part of me. Even when mm. I was a teenager, I used to, uh, I was a camp counselor. You know, mm. it, it's, you were always involved at that communication level, I guess. Yeah, and, and mentorship, right? Because mm. it's, it's quite, um, I'll say it like this. Some people say, okay, you know, Deb, you wear lots of different hats. How do you keep going? Because it sounds exhausting. And it, honestly, it is quite tiring. <laughs> but but where I get motivation is by seeing the work and the passion with the people who I have encountered with One Health Lessons and who I have trained through One Health Lessons. Um there are stories that I hear just pop up on occasion. Um, I think of one person in Malaysia who contacted me out of the blue and she said, you know, last year I, I took a boat uh, two days to get to this, this very remote community and I wanted to bring one health lessons there. I said, what, how was it received? She said, well, you know, we speak different dialects. I said, go on, how on earth did you communicate? And she goes, well, you know, I showed the picture of the forest. I showed the picture of the people and they got it. I said, well, if you speak different languages, how, how, how can you know that they got it, right? And she said, oh, well, they acted it out. These types of stories, you know, I will never I will say, I'll never expect to meet those people in that remote community, but they now have that knowledge, right? Mm -hmm. there, was, there was a talking point between somebody from the city and somebody from the remote village. And that talking point was born from One Health Lessons. And I'm forever grateful for that opportunity to influence people and, um, impact their lives in hopefully a positive way and impact their local environments too and their communities. Yeah, and we, we go back to the concept of a global community that need to actually respect and highlight the, the local difference as well. So I love this. And, and I think I would like to kind of go into another thing I'm passionate about, which is storytelling, which is also what you're pretty much referring to and and how we didn't always have a language but hey 
that's what made us human as we are. So storytelling from one generation to another before the books, but also picturing things, designing, showing, show and tell, just show, figure it out. This this story that you just tell, it's a perfect example because the basic need are all the same, right? You can talk about food, the animal that you hunt, and you can go into the anthropology of things and and you learn a lot for the future. And Let's talk about technology in a way right now where I think like, okay, I'm having a lot of episode about chat GPT and I think it's a great thing, but use it with caution and educating and so on. But here's a translation. I can get it translated in 25 languages in a few minutes. I am seeing this as a great thing. I think also for what you're doing, but but you can't just have it automated. And I love your opinion on this. So the importance of the human presence in all of this, and what is your thoughts on that? Yes, thank you for bringing this up. You know, three years ago, when we were going going through the heavy lift of all of the translations, because we right now we have lessons available in over 30 languages to give you a, an idea of the reach there. Um, we have trained people, um, who are affiliated with 98 different countries. So to give you another number there. Um, wow. Google Translate existed three years ago, but I did not want to use Google Translate. I wanted people to be involved mm-hmm. because that's how you meaningfully, uh, meaningfully convey this type of message so that it lands well, right? Um, The other thing that's important to realize is that just because, say, Portuguese is spoken in Mozambique, in Portugal, and Brazil, sometimes you can't necessarily use the same type of Portuguese, right? (laughs) So we had um, a really nice, thorough conversation with the Portuguese team made up of 14 people to translate seven different lessons. And we had to figure out what type of Portuguese should we try to use, try to write in. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and ultimately, it was decided that they wanted to go with the Brazilian Portuguese because Brazilian Portuguese is heard on the television more often in Portugal than vice versa. Hmm. So at least they could read in that. But then a Portugal Portuguese person can be speaking to kids in Portugal. Do you see what I mean? Yes. Um, and of course, they could tweak it uh, where appropriate. Um, but it's it's another it's another side of humanity that I don't think AI can appreciate at this point. I don't think it will never. But you know, probably gonna have conversation about that. Meaning, that's what makes us human. I mean, I'm not a, this is not the topic of this conversation, but I'm not a big fan of, you know, general artificial intelligence where I think it becoming conscious or, or having emotions. I, I, it's hard, as much as I love sci-fi, it's very hard. Maybe it will stay in the sci-fi realm, but, but the fact that AI is a fantastic tool to facilitate certain things, but then you need that, you need that human 
overview and touch. So, and, and I think that especially when it comes to kids and teaching, you really that, you know, the one-on-one, even if it's a virtual one-on-one like we're having right now, it's still, I can see your face. I can, you know, read the body language. And I think a kid really, really, really need that. So that's amazing. Look, what you're doing, it's, it's fantastic. And uh, I'm so glad that we got to talk about this. We mentioned before recording that maybe we'll make either a series about this or we make a, you know, we give a much bigger role of uh, uh, One Health um, lessons on ITSB Magazine, which I would love. So we'll leave that for a conversation between the two of us. But for the audience right now, I, I want to imagine and I know for sure that there's going to be some people there that it's like, hey, I can do that. So I would like for you to take as much time as you need to make your call to action and and talk about the things that you may you may benefit for the nonprofit because I think what you're doing it's 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 very fundamental for where we are right now in our society. Thank you very much, Marco. I really appreciate this conversation and and the opportunity to share about One Health Lessons. Um, Number one, I encourage everybody to go to onehealthlessons.org and explore that page. Um, Number two, I encourage everybody um, with or without a child, doesn't matter. If you want us to teach a group of adults, we can do that. Um, Just email lessonleadersprogram at gmail.com and program is the American spelling, P-R-O-G-R-A-M, lessonleadersprogram at gmail.com and we can connect you. You can also request a language if you want it to be in Spanish. We can do that. If you want it in French, we can do that. Just let us know the needs of you and your group. In addition, we are going to be celebrating our third birthday very shortly. We're going to be posting on social media. So I encourage you to go on our social media, subscribe to our YouTube channel, just type in One Health Lessons. Um, But we're on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and believe it or not, TikTok. (laughs) I'm not very active there, but uh, we are there. MySpace? Um, uh, no, no, MySpace. <laughs> that's, that's a joke. No. Yeah, oh, yeah. You don't have to do that. Although I still have an account there. Awesome. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if the 20 year olds out there will know what we're talking about. <laughs> no. It's like, okay, just dated yourself. Okay, thank you. <laughs> um, but last but not least, we are um, definitely looking for funders, uh, foundations, private funders because what we ultimately want to do is create more lessons. Lessons focus on water, focus on plastics, focus on um, how different genders actually are impacted by various uh, threats that are within the environment, right? So um, we're looking for sponsorship for new lessons. We're looking for sponsorship to continue the Train the Trainer program we have um, between 2020 and 2022, about 1,700 people. We want to continue this and we want to expand it, um, but we need your help. So we do have a donate button on our website. It's linked to our PayPal. Um, so again, just go to onehealthlessons.org and you can contact us there as well. Thank you so much, Marco. Oh, this is great. I'm actually looking right now at all the 
all the partners that you have. And, and I mean, when you say three years, for me, it's it's impressive what you guys, it's almost thinking like, you know, it's got to be at the right time, at the right, you know, the right place at the right time. But also, I think the passion that you are, you know, portraying when, and you're presenting this with, it's it just like, I, I think it's a, it's something that is uh, contagious. And I don't want to pound, <laughs> I don't want to do another joke oh, on the, on the end, but it is, you know, hey, it's it, it is viral. Like viral means that people get excited about this. Maybe they do know that there is, they feel that there is a need for this, and maybe it can be as easy as just get involved and become an ambassador. You, you said can be older people, um, anybody get to the local library, do it to wherever. And wherever you want to do it so stay tuned i have a feeling we'll talk more about this with you deborah on the show and again all the things that um that you mentioned all the links they'll be in the notes and i invite everybody to get in touch as far as redefining society i appreciate if you subscribe if you share it because if you share this you'll share also everything else that we talk about so Stay tuned. Talk to you soon. Deborah, real pleasure to have you on. It's been a pleasure. Thank you again, Marco. Thank you. Devo unlocks the full value of machine data for the world's most instrumented enterprises. The Devo Data Analytics Platform addresses the explosion in volume of machine data and the crushing demands of algorithms and automation. Learn more at Devo.com. BugCrowd's award-winning platform combines actionable contextual intelligence with the skill and experience of the world's most elite hackers to help leading organizations identify and fix vulnerabilities, protect customers, and make the digitally connected world a safer place. Learn more at bugcrowd.com. Black Cloak provides concierge cybersecurity protection to corporate executives and high net worth individuals to protect against hacking, reputational loss, financial loss, and the impacts of a corporate data breach. Learn more at blackcloak.io. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share itspmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.